everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. And with me here today from the Washington, D.C. area are two awesome tango dancers. Many of you listening probably had the pleasure of dancing with them at some point. My old friends Liz Sanger and Enrique Bravo Escobar. Liz and Enrique, great to be talking to you both. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, great. So Liz, we'll start with you. We'll go ladies first. Uh, so I kind of know the story a little bit, but for those who, who don't know you as well or haven't had the chance to talk to you as much, um, how did you fall in love with tango? Oh, Joe, I think I have <laughs> you to blame. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started back in 2010, so it's been 10 years. Wow. Um I started going to Salsa Tango Night when I was in law school, and I remember I was going mostly because a friend of mine in law school was a great salsa dancer, mm -hmm. but every time you would switch the music to tango music, I had to go sit on the sidelines, so um, <laughs> I got pretty sick of that after a while and um, got to know you and, and some of the other tango dancers, gave it a try, realized it's not a dance that you can just pick up on the fly. Mm -hmm. And you invited me to one of your classes, and I ended up going and getting completely sucked in. Yeah. So the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> so Enrique, how about you? I don't think I ever asked how you got into tango. Let's say that after many, many years of salsa dancing and uh, cumbia and merengue and all the other mm -hmm. Caribbean rhythms, I was sort of open to try something new, and I saw some tango dancing outdoors, both in Mexico City mm. and Washington DC the same summer, and it kind of piqued my curiosity, so I casually decided, well, let's try a class, and I did, and then I never looked back. Nice. I just got really addicted and kept going, and that was almost ten and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah, 10 years. It's been I was, a long we, ride. Yeah, yeah. And Liz, when you said 10 years ago, it just dawned on me. I'm like, oh my goodness, has it really been that that long? Yeah, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> It'll it's be... a long time. Yeah, and I like what you said earlier, Liz, how this isn't just something you, you, you pick up. But, you know, as you know, people get into tango, they, they get in, they, they drop out, but some people stick with it. So what was it exactly about this dance that made you want to explore it further? I think it was the fact that I couldn't master it quickly. Mm. It's one thing to pick up the basic stuff in salsa, and if you go out dancing with Latin music, you can you can dance the whole night away just doing the basic step and having fun. And anytime things go wrong, you just break free from your partner and freestyle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in tango, that's not an option. Uh, you're, you're stuck. You're stuck hugging that person for three whole songs or four mm. whole songs sometimes. So. Mm. I think it was the challenge and, well, the music, I love the music, mm -hmm. and the people. You know, when I started in classes, uh, there was a great group of students who I bonded with really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that time and time again. Now, you know, both of us live here in D.C. Enrique teaches um, beginner classes every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And you can see that camaraderie between the beginners who, who start to get hooked. Mm -hmm. And then you're all in it together, you know, and you just want to keep learning and keep consuming. And, mm -hmm. and there's always some new move or some way to improve your, your technique or get more musical. And it's just, I think it's the fact that you're always learning and never done. Yeah. How about you, Enrique? You said you got hooked right away. What was it about the dance that did you remember that, that really got you? 
Well, I mean, I, I have to admit, I I just loved dancing in general long before tango. So in that sense, I had a clear predisposition to just liking another dance. But it, it, it really is like the fact that it's like other dancers. Of course, it's an improvised dance. But I did feel that the level of connection you had to maintain with your partner was just a lot stronger. And it felt like you couldn't just go back to, let's say, the basic step in salsa and then... Mm -hmm not think about it and be like, okay, whatever, I can stay here the whole song. Like in tango, mm -hmm. you have to really be in it to continue. And so that was very engaging. I think that was probably the best, the, the most important element. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Liz, do you remember your very first malanga, like apart from the salsa tango parties? Oh, um, yeah. I think it was at a ballroom dance studio. Was it at Tempo? Yeah, it was at Temple Ballroom okay. Dance Studio. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And gosh, I mean, it is a little bit fuzzy now. I, mm -hmm. I remember I had probably only been to a few classes. I probably was a little bit green to be entering onto the dance floor. But one of the things that I loved about learning tango in Madison, Wisconsin, was that people were super friendly. Mm -hmm. And there were there were always people who were patient and willing to kind of give beginners the time of day. Mm -hmm. So I was, I think, probably pretty willing to venture out into the milonga scene on the early end. Here in D.C., sometimes I'll see um, students who wait, you know, six months before they set foot on the milonga floor. Mm. Depends, though. It depends on personality and right. and kind of which milongas are happening. So, mm -hmm. How about you, Enrique? I think for me it was a little different, actually, because mm. the first milonga that I attempted to go was kind of probably after the first six weeks of taking a weekly class. And I thought, you know, very naively, oh, I can just go to this milonga and it'll mm. be great. And <laughs> and then I happened to go to the milonga that Tango Mercurio has been running for many, many years mm -hmm. in a place called 18th Street Lounge mm. in D.C. And it's known to be a good milonga with a very high level of dancing. And so I show up, of course, to this particular milonga because I was taking classes with that organization. Mm -hmm. And then I see and I try this very small space where there's lots of people. And it was the, one of the most anxiety-producing moments <laughs> in my tango life. I was like, how can people do this? How can they move in such a small space? So it was pretty scary, I have to confess. Mm -hmm. But then... I think what's important is that instead of just looking at that and then flying away and running away from the dance, it just became a challenge that I had to meet and that I had to surpass. And so I was like, no, I am going to be da dancing in this tiny space sometime soon and I'm going to do it well. Mm -hmm. So I did take a little bit longer to go back to that milonga, mm -hmm. but I prepared in the process. Nice. <laughs> nice. How did your first dance go there? Well. That's an excellent question. I I honestly do not remember who mm -hmm. the poor victim of it was. <laughs> uh, it was probably some charitable soul that gave me a, a chance and had to uh, had to put up with it. But it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. Okay, you got it. It was just really it was just really you know stressful just because you know when you're a true beginner then. You kind of need more space to do your thing because you don't know how to make it small, and right. and, and it takes time, and it's mm -hmm. okay, but it takes time. Yeah, yeah. So the cool thing about tango, again, you both got really into it, and what happens to a lot of people is 
they, they love their local classes, but they kind of they want to expand their horizons. And then there are tango festivals that they they venture to. So, uh, Liz, what was your very first tango festival? Do you remember? Yes, my first tango festival was a festival called Tango Element in Baltimore. Mm. And it was kind of a fluke that I attended. I had been interning in Washington, D.C. during the summer of uh, 2011. And I had been taking classes with Tango Mercurio here in Washington, D.C. and Mm -hmm. going out as many nights as possible to Milongas. Uh, It was also the summer that I bought my first pair of Tango shoes. I remember very clearly. And the weekend that I was scheduled to fly back to Madison was the weekend that this festival was happening in Baltimore. And a couple weeks before that, my my teacher in D.C. said, oh, are you heading to Tango Element? And I I didn't even know what that was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on my radar. I didn't really know that there were Tango festivals. The only place I had danced other than Madison was in Washington, D.C. that summer. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of asked him, well, what's that all about? And he said, oh, well, there, first of all, there are some famous dancers from Buenos Aires who are coming to perform and teach. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people from all around the country, you know, dancing in milongas. And mm-hmm. everybody goes. <laughs> so I said, okay. And he's like, oh, but registration's probably closed. So then I thought, okay, well, maybe next year or something. Mm-hmm. And then he told me, oh, uh, or like a week later, oh, I have a student who has a full pass to the Milongas and she can't go anymore. And if you want, I can ask her to sell you the pass. And I said, oh yeah, that would be great. And I said, oh, when are are the dates? He said, okay, it starts on, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, goes through Sunday. Well, it turns out I booked my flight for like Saturday morning or something. Mm -hmm. So all I did was go, I worked all day Friday. I hopped on a train. I went to Baltimore (laughs) and I went to the Friday night Milonga and I had never seen anything like that before. I was completely like a fish out of water, totally shocked and unprepared for for the experience Mm -hmm. it it was a it was a very large festival Mm -hmm. i don't remember how many people were attending in the early years but by the end of that festival like its last couple years i think there were probably i don't know like 400 people attending tango element i don't know it's pretty large it was a pretty large festival (laughs) it took place in a hotel ballroom Mm -hmm. and room was just packed and people were dressed really fancy I saw all levels of dancing from from pretty moderate beginner all the way through extremely advanced dancers. Mm-hmm. It was so crowded, I didn't know which way to look to try and get a dance. <laughs> um, but I just danced the whole night. I and it was it was fun and exhilarating. I couldn't believe people were going to be dancing until like six in the morning or something. <laughs> I think I had to leave at like two thirty or something to get to mm-hmm. the airport on time. To, to go back to Madison. Wow. So that was, that was my first taste was only the right. the Friday night milonga of a festival. Wow. Wow. And then I think the next time I think my next festival was the next year in okay. Baltimore. Nice. Nice. Enrique, how about you? What was your first festival experience? Well, I mean, it was the same it wasn't the same year, but it was the same festival. It was mm. Tango Elements in Baltimore in in the nearby DC. Mm-hmm. You know, we were very lucky throughout many years in the Washington area because we had two festivals organized very close by, either in Baltimore or D.C. itself. Mm-hmm. Tango Element was one of them and Tango Porque No was the other one. Mm-hmm. 
And they they both were very, very good festivals. They had amazing teachers with amazing level and lots of offering and, and they were just really, really good. Of course, the organizers of both of them are no longer organizing them around, so now we have mm -hmm. to travel a little bit more to go to festivals. But mm -hmm. it was Tango Element, my, my first uh, festival. Nice. Nice. What was your impression of that festival? Well, I mean, it is it is overwhelming at the beginning because it's mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of classes going on. Mm -hmm. But I was so, so driven, I guess, at that point already that it didn't matter. I was taking every single class I could take mm -hmm. in like, every time slot I had occupied with a, with a class. Mm -hmm. I was exhausted by the end of the day and then I was dancing <laughs> at night. But I think that was exactly part of what I was looking for. It was part of the experience, just to be mm -hmm. exhausted all day, but incredibly happy taking classes. And mm -hmm. the classes were also, of course, as you as you well pointed out, we go to a festival to try different things, to try new styles of teaching and new things that may not be taught locally in terms of specific figures or specific ways of organizing a class. It's just different in a festival. And then you have to learn to adapt to a new partner because unless you go to the festival going with the same partner all the time, and mm -hmm. teachers will still ask you to rotate and yeah. they do well when they ask you to rotate. It's good to rotate. Yeah. Then you have to, you know, you're dancing with people you've never seen in your life sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you're trying, just like in your first classes in your local community, it's like, well, let's try with this new person. And sometimes that works well, and sometimes yeah. it's a bit more challenging. But mm -hmm. the classes are, are always pretty good, and, and it's good to change airs and change styles. And, and you learn a lot when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, like we just said about it's it's just overwhelming. There's just so many so many people. Now that that could be scary for for some people depending on your personality. So, you know, let's say you know for a newcomer who comes to a festival who's goes to that Malanga and is totally blown away but kind of intimidated. What would what kind of advice would you give to someone listening who's probably thinking of going to their first festival? I think it always helps to the extent possible that if you figure out somebody else that is going Mm -hmm. that you know it's always good to have some company yeah it's good to spot that person from your community that you know and keep each other company at least for a little moment and you know even even better if you can dance at the beginning of the night with someone you know that's mm -hmm. always useful because it helps you to start loosening up in the dance floor and feel more comfortable and confident that mm -hmm. that you can do it so that's always a good thing to do that will make the process smoother, I think. Okay. I would say if you can spot that, it's a good thing. If you can talk to someone from your classmates, oh, I'm going to go to this festival. Is anybody else going or wants to go? Or encourage them to go with you. I mean, yeah. I, it's always more fun when you go with more people than when you go on your own, of course. Yeah. Liz, how about you? I would say for the Milongas... A couple things. Uh, I, Enrique's definitely right. I think if you have a buddy to go with, that can be something that can be really reassuring. Mm -hmm. um, and it's someone you can kind of share your impressions with as the night goes on. You know, someone who can, you know, who you can say, oh my gosh, I'm not getting any dances. And, you know, you can have that person there affirming you and saying, oh, you know, it's just really crowded. Don't worry about it. Keep, you know, keep looking. You're going to find that great dance by the mm -hmm. end of the night. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just the moral encouragement, but also, you know, 
Um, I think some other things to keep in mind or, or tricks to try would be, first of all, keep an open mind mm-hmm. and try and be flexible. One of the things that really surprised me when I attended my first couple of festivals was that, you know, because there are so many people and there's usually limited seating, you know, you might be sitting in a chair, one tanda, but then the second you get up to dance, someone's going to swoop in and, and sit down. So by the end of the next tanda, if you come back to where you started, there may be someone sitting there. Um, and, you know, unless you know that person, you're kind of out of luck and, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of look somewhere else to <laughs> shoot for your next tanda. And having come from a community where there was always ample seating on the side of the room, that really shocked me. Mm-hmm. It requires a little bit of flexibility and you have to recognize that it's not just a normal milanga. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people in a festival whose primary objective is to dance every tanda and to aggressively cabaseo the room. And then there will be other people um, who just don't have that personality, people who are yeah. more shy or mm-hmm. who are still getting, you know, getting their bearings in tango. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of it's just kind of get, cutting yourself a break and recognizing that over your hopefully long career of dancing tango socially, that you're going to have a starting point, a middle point and an ending point. And when you're first getting started, if you're not dancing every tanda, but you're used to doing that back home, that's not a sign that things are going wrong Mm. or that you're not having a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay in a festival setting to dance one tanda and then sit out for five tandas in a row. And, you know, look look around and and, uh, try and find some people that you might be interested in dancing with. Mm -hmm. But because it's so crowded, you may put your eyes on someone you think, oh, that would be a good partner for me, mm-hmm. and then have a hard time finding them for yeah. the next three tandas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of it's just kind of recognizing it's a different environment, it's a different pace, and not to be disappointed if you're, if you're not dancing with the same frequency that you're used to at home. Yeah. Yes, I want to change gears a little bit to, uh, to the actual uh, workshops. So again, if you're, if you're a first-timer at a tango festival taking a workshop, um, it might bring back some memories of the first day of high school, you know, with all these all these students, and uh, you know, this is going probably going to be a little bit more advanced than what, or not advanced, but just it's a different environment. You're working with, you know, world famous teachers. Uh, yeah, so for those offending, attending their first workshop at a festival, um, what what advice would you have for for those students to keep them from being overwhelmed or or too scared? I mean, other than the fact that there might be friends with them, but still, once you're in that learning environment, you're kind of, you know, it can also be a little little scary. Yeah. So first thing I would say is there are lots of different styles of teaching at festivals. Mm-hmm. And so one thing to keep in mind is that you're going to encounter teachers who have a different style than your hometown teachers, Mm -hmm. especially if you're attending a festival where you have teachers who are coming from Argentina. So I've definitely been in classes where we've had amazing dancers, you know, coming straight from Buenos Aires Mm -hmm. who will cut straight to the point. Sometimes that uh, constructive criticism was delivered in a way that I wasn't quite used to and, and took a little time to kind of come to terms with the style of, of different of different teachers. But keeping in mind that the people who are coming to teach at festivals are coming to teach because they love the dance and they want to spread what they know about the dance and their passion. Mm-hmm. And they want you to dance your best as well. And so some of it's, I think, just recognizing ahead of time that you're going to have different teaching styles. Yeah. So be open to hearing advice in different ways. Mm -hmm. And then also be ready to 
to be in an environment where you where you're not going to have as much one-on-one -on -one interaction with the with the teachers. Um, typically the classes are a little bit larger than the classes you might be used to taking at home and so you may be waiting for feedback from a teacher for half of the class before they're actually coming over and yeah. looking at you, working with you. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be kind of ready to to try on your own, to look around. Don't be afraid to ask couples near you, hey can you check us out and can you, you know, what, what do you think you know, we might be missing here, or can mm. you know, if you see a good couple in the class, don't be afraid to go over to them and say, "Hey, could I, yeah. could I watch you, or could you walk me through this?" Um, because you you may not be able to talk to the teacher one on one until halfway through. Mm -hmm. And then maybe one final piece of advice before I let Enrique talk would mm -hmm. be um, at the end of the class, teachers will often do a demonstration. Definitely bring your cell phone with you and take a video, or, mm. or bring a digital camera and take video. And then I would encourage people, especially when you're first starting out, to take notes. Mm -hmm. You know, write down the names of the teachers, write down um, the main concepts. And, and one thing actually that Enrique taught me that I think was a really useful thing uh, and that I would encourage festival goers to try is after the class is over, after the teachers have done their demonstration, grab someone and ask them if they can take a quick video of you explaining to the camera what you learned from the class and demonstrating um, in your own dance what you learned because that that act of teaching back what you just learned not only reinforces what you learned in the class but also then you can go back and watch the video and sometimes it's easier to reproduce what you did with your body than to look at a video of a professional and, and try and try and make it happen yeah later yeah. on. Enrique, how about you? I don't know. Joe, I think I have I have taken so many workshops in my past mm -hmm. 10 years. It's crazy probably how many <laughs> of them I have taken. But mm -hmm. I do have to say you will learn a lot more than you will probably remember when you go to workshops and that's okay because the body will take in the knowledge and some workshops will be of course more useful than others every person learns in a different way mm -hmm. uh, beyond the bluntness of the argentines that i agree with liz mm -hmm. there's of course you know just different ways of teaching things and some will be more practical and will mm -hmm. give you a piece of advice that will stay in your body for the next many many years and mm -hmm. some some stuff is going to be things that are not in your in your body you know, yeah. they, they won't feel quite that comfortable, and that's okay. I think at the beginning, it's really useful to try different things and different styles of, the, of teaching and of dancing, mm -hmm. because that will also allow you to learn in your own body mm -hmm. what feels good and comfortable and what doesn't. And the beautiful thing about tango is that there's so many different ways to approach this dance. Mm -hmm that there is a way for everybody. So nobody should be too fixated or committed to a specific style because they look at it and they say, oh, this is what it looks good to me. Mm -hmm. But it should feel good to them yeah. rather than it should look good to them. So, okay. um, But you, it's just a, it is like a buffet. And I think, what, again, festivals have that beautiful thing mm -hmm. that they have at least, you know, two, three, four, sometimes even five couples or teachers showing what they do. And you bet most of them will have a very distinctive style of teaching and learning and, and dancing. So trying different things is a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, finding what you like, 
over time is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, keeping your mind open to to that is is a good thing. Yeah. I was just going to jump on this when Enrique described the festival like a buffet. <laughs> I, I think that is a really apt description. And this one kind of funny anecdote is like, don't be surprised if you're in a class in a festival and the teacher tells you, this is the way, this is the only way, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is real tango. And I remember my mm-hmm. first couple classes in festivals, because the teachers are so sure of themselves and and have developed such an amazing dance, many of them are convinced that, that the way that they dance is the best way to, to dance tango. And I kind of fell into the trap that Enrique was was recommending people avoid which is I tried very hard in some of those early classes to completely convert my dance into what I thought the teachers were teaching. And what I learned over several festivals and as I became more experienced in the dance was, oh, there are actually many legitimate ways that you can dance this dance. And there will be factors, you know, like what body shape and size you have and how you hear the music and feel the music. Um, that contribute to the type of dancer and the style of dance um, that you eventually develop. And so it's, I think, a, a good reminder that, you know, what you can learn from these classes is what inspires you and, and what gets you motivated, but that you don't have to adopt every single style. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like what you said about that, where a lot of teachers will say, well, this is this is the right way. Or they'll say something like, and I'm not trying to throw shade on any teachers, but they say something like, well, you might have heard that this is the way to do it, but this is the really, you know, the real way to do it. But then you kind of think about it, and then after you practice, it's like, well, both ways kind of work. So it's, I guess it's just a different way of uh, understanding and explaining. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just kind of going along yes. with, with the learning. Uh, what I've noticed, and maybe you have maybe you have as well, I what I do is I tend to pay a little more attention to the people around me. I just kind of, you know, as the teachers are explaining, I, I tend to watch the students and their reactions. And sometimes I find that uh, there are students who take the workshops way too seriously. I don't know if that's just, uh, you know, maybe at a particular workshop that I was at, but I don't know if you've noticed that too, that how uh, suddenly everyone just becomes really, really serious. And... You know, we, we kind of forget that this is we're here because we want to have fun. I think there's always a, a variety of people taking classes, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the very studious, very serious, very methodical students to the students who are more interested in showing off for the teachers and everything in between. And so and I think, you know, people come to festivals with different goals. And for me, I've definitely, you know, been in a different mindset in different festivals I've attended. There've been certain festivals, you know, where I was just so eager to to scoop up every little bit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did fall into the category of a student taking everything too seriously. And then there were other festivals where I was, you know, just more hoping to learn a few things and spend some time with teachers that I really enjoyed. But I think, um, you know, knowing your own learning style and, and kind of accepting that mm-hmm. uh, will be a good starter for, for anyone. So, yeah. so, I mean, I think, you know, you can take, as long as you're not beating yourself up, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I think it's make, make what you want out of the, out of the experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just going to jump in mm-hmm. on that. I, I agree. I think there, there's everything under the sun in terms of people's interests and intentions with tango and as a consequence with the learning process of tango. 
And I think over the years, I have just become more simply accepting, I guess, mm -hmm. of all of those different approaches. There will be the casual dancer who wants to come in and, you know, do some little bit of tango every month, maybe, and that's it. Mm -hmm. But finds an, a festival an exciting opportunity to even visit a new town. Mm -hmm. And there will be those who like just really want to get the most out of it and dance almost or become a professional. Some people actually do want to do that. Mm -hmm. Or just be really proficient in dancing tango. And it's okay. All of those things are okay. Yeah. But I think what you have to admit to yourself is what your own intentions with the dance are. Mm -hmm. And you have to admit that it may not be the same as somebody else's and therefore your interaction with other people will have to be mediated by those expectations. Because if you are just a casual dancer that wants to show up, you know, once every blue moon, mm -hmm. then you can't expect the ultra serious student and learner to be incredibly happy with you mm -hmm. because they have different approaches to the dance. Yeah. And it's okay. So just know what you want and know what to expect when you are both inside a classroom mm -hmm. and also at a milonga. I mean, you can't just be the casual dancer every now and then and show up at a milonga randomly and then want to dance with like, you know, the rock star of that whatever particular milonga or festival yeah. who probably trains and practices all day long mm -hmm. because they just have different interests. And that's yeah. okay. So I would say that it's, it's important to keep that in mind. It's mm -hmm. okay to be different and it's okay it's okay to be more or less engaged mm -hmm. just keep your you know keep your interactions uh, aware of it yeah yeah so kind of getting a little bit more more personal with both of you so liz we'll start with you what what are some really really good experiences you had at uh, at festivals whether during a malanga or during a workshop i think my my best festival experiences have been when i've connected with teachers on like kind of a personal or learning level mm -hmm. where I feel like I've met a couple or even an individual dancer who kind of takes an interest in me and invests in my improvement as a dancer. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of teachers out there who fit that description and teachers of all different styles and from all different places. So some of my best festival experiences have been when I've been in a class and I feel like the teacher is really making an effort to, to walk around, you know, during, after explaining something and work with each couple um, individually, you know, put mm -hmm. hands on you or dance with you to to help you kind of internalize some of the messages that they're trying to get across. And also, I think um, sometimes I've had good experiences at festivals where once I've found a teacher like that, I've signed up to have at least a few classes with that same teacher. So there's some level of consistency mm -hmm. during the weekend or or maybe it's a teacher who I've studied with in a previous festival and I sign up for a subsequent festival because they're teaching there as well. And I can kind of continue my learning, mm -hmm. um, you know, with with the same teachers and kind of build a rapport over time. So that's maybe one positive experience um, that I've had. And I would also say that for me, the the smaller festivals may have also been festivals where I had like a pretty good time because they're a little bit more manageable in the milonga setting. One thing that's definitely mm -hmm. just always difficult to navigate is are super crowded milongas with lots of people. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun. And in yeah. fact, I've had a lot of fun at some mega mm -hmm. festivals. But when it comes to the milonga time, um, if there's a lot of people, 
you know, kind of stuffed into a room, it makes cabaseo difficult or makes kind of, you know, spotting and connecting with the dancers you want to connect with more difficult as you're kind of scanning the room and encountering lots of wandering eyes, you know, it, it can be overwhelming sometimes. So mm -hmm. I think those have, but those have been a couple experiences. And then maybe one other lesson I learned that led to me having more positive festival experiences is that I think um, you have to take care of your body during the festival. And so, of course, the first couple times I signed up for festivals, I signed up for like the full class pass and the full Milonga pass. And just like Enrique, I was, you know, going 100% the entire time, afternoon practicas, you know, every, every second of dancing available, um, you know, putting my shoes on and hitting the dance floor. And over time, I realized that that meant that I was getting blisters and I was tired and underslept and my body was aching. And especially each year as I get older and older, my body just can't handle that level of physical activity. <laughs> and so um, actually some practical advice that can lead to a more, a more positive festival experience. And these are tips that I learned from other dancers, you know, over the years is like bring a water bottle and make sure that you're hydrated. Yeah stretch before mm -hmm. and after the class. Um, try and get a good night's sleep, mm -hmm. even if that means, you know, either leaving the milanga early or taking a nap before you go. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of listen to your body. If your knee is hurting in the middle of the night, um, it might not be the best yeah. idea to dance every tanda for the rest of the night. Maybe you need to take a break. Maybe you need to put some ice on it before you hit the dance floor again. And maybe you can't take every class at the festival and you, and you need to kind of pick and choose. So th that would be, those would be some factors, I think, that mm -hmm. can contribute to having a more positive experience. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Enrique? Mm, let's see. In terms of positive experiences, I have to confess, I, I think I have had it pretty sweet. And I feel very lucky about it because I, I think countless uh, occasions of positive experiences and I think they were mostly so from the beginning because especially the beginning, you know, it's, it's just an open field. Like you will dance with people that mm -hmm. will feel amazing at the beginning. You will get to know people. Everything is new. Everything is just novel. So it's, to me, it was always very exciting. That doesn't say that doesn't mean that it's again yes without you know challenges or moments specific moments of you know maybe disappointment if you mm -hmm. really try to dance with someone and you try to have a sale that person and that person wouldn't have a sale you back yeah but you know this is an experience that of course transcends the festival experience because this happens in a normal milonga it happens in a marathon if you go to a marathon it happens all the time mm -hmm. and I would say probably one of the most important learning experience in that sense is to simply be absolutely okay with other people not dancing with you mm -hmm. because there's a million reasons why they may not be dancing with you. Yeah. It may be because they're tired. It may be because they don't like the music. It may be because mm -hmm. they wanted to dance that specific tanda with somebody else they had in mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they're chatting. It can yeah. be because they, whatever, there's so many reasons that probably in 90% of the cases have nothing to do with you. And we human beings tend to just take it in as it's because me, is there some form of rejection on you? And and that's not the case. Right. right. So I would say, you know, the 
that's been the learning part of the story mm -hmm. uh, that I think even when it was slightly rougher to accept, it was ultimately a positive experience because then you learn to to be okay with those things and that's good but especially just trying new people i mean dancing with people that you've never danced before mm -hmm. that have learned from other communities and from other dancers and from other teachers than than yours mm -hmm. it's that's i think they, that's what what keeps me going to festivals that's what drives me to go to marathons you know as often as i can just that Singling that out is mm -hmm. good enough. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, I like what you said, Enrique, about, you know, if you get rejected and everybody's going to get turned down for a dance at some point, regardless of your experience level. And like you said, it's it's not personal. Don't take it personally. And yeah, it's because uh, I know we, we get really emotionally attached to this dance and um, we got to we do have to keep that in mind. It's not personal when someone says no. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's another thing that I think it's kind of goes along with what you're saying is knowing what you want. I mean, you could sign up for all of the workshops. I mean, when, you know, when I was in my early 30s, I would do that. Now I can't really do that. I, I sometimes I'll sign up just for a few workshops and try to get the most I can out of a few instead of a little about of out of everything. So definitely a lot of uh, different strategies to uh, to to do that in terms of learning and, and malangas and, and workshops. Yeah. So even though you both have had so much experience dancing and you're still really going at it, which is awesome, uh, what are some new things that you've both learned in tango recently, maybe over the last few months or so? Oh, great question. Yeah. <laughs> you mean in general? Yes, in general. Or... It can be about your dancing or about people or about, um, yeah, whatever you want, however you want to take the question. I think for me, you know, dancing kind of goes in cycles. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think is really cool about dancing tango is that sometimes you'll be on the dance floor or in a class mm -hmm. and um, you'll feel something or someone will, you know, our teacher will say something that finally clicks mm. and you'll realize that's the same message that I've been receiving in slightly different ways for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But finally, you know, someone danced with me in a way where I finally felt it or some teacher explained the concept in a way where I finally understood. And you can have kind of like almost a wave of realization that kind of like pulls memories that you didn't even realize were sitting in your brain <laughs> and puts together, you know, like a series of pieces over the years mm -hmm. um, that finally connects some concept you were trying to learn. Mm. And what I find kind of really cool about tango is that from the very beginning, you know, your teacher will teach you things and say things that are important about the dance, mm -hmm. but that may not have much context for you as a beginner. Yeah. And so, um, like, I'll even realize that things that I learned from you, Joe, in, in mm -hmm. our first classes, you know, that I was taking with tango mm -hmm. are the same concepts that the most, you know, prestigious teachers from Buenos Aires are trying to drill into us as well. Mm because the dance is universal and, and because the dance is so widely shared around the world and these concepts are so fundamental to the dance. Mm -hmm. um, but throughout your career of dancing tango, you just approach it, you know, from a slightly different perspective each time you come back in a learning mindset. So mm -hmm. um, I think one, one realization that, that I've had recently is, is just certain fundamental concepts, you know, finally clicking or finally 
kind of falling into place or, or feeling feeling them anew and realizing, oh, this is the same thing I've been working on since day one. Yeah. Whether it's how to walk with confidence or yeah. how to stay grounded or, you know, how to keep your balance or find your access, like mm-hmm. all these basic things that you're being taught in beginner one class, they keep coming back to you over and over again. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just dance with a dancer who's expressing one of those concepts really strongly through their dance and all of a sudden you're absorbing it physically in a way that that it comes jumping out to you and 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 makes some sense so yeah. that's one thing yeah yeah i it's it's that, that's i'm so glad you said that because you'll dance and then these basic concepts you, you you're been you've been doing them but then at the same time you really something about it you really understand it and you really feel your body working it and it's like oh yeah that's how this pivot works or that it's like you you know it but now you really really know it yeah i have one more example i guess um you know a lot of times i'll be in a class with a great follower as a Mm -hmm. teacher and um she'll talk about some feeling she has inside her body Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'll be sitting there thinking, like, I have no idea what she's talking about. I definitely <laughs> don't feel that, or I, I can't relate to that at all. There's, like, a trend in tango, or maybe it's always been this way, but I just was totally oblivious to it. But a, a lot of tango dancers, especially ones who are coming from Argentina, they do this other form of, of training called gyrotonics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gyrotonics is kind of like Pilates, but different because, it, you know, it focuses on different aspects but it is basically like a, a training based on strengthening your core and kind mm-hmm. of thinking about everything in circular ways and um, I took a few gyrotonics classes with um, an instructor here in DC mm-hmm. and after taking those after taking those classes with her and having her talk to me about the practice of gyrotonics I jumped back into a few tango classes and all of a sudden I realized that the vocabulary of the teachers mm-hmm. um, who were teaching was the same vocabulary as um, the teacher of, of this gyrotonic technique mm. and I had a completely different perspective on what the tango teachers were trying to to share with us after having done this different discipline, you know, a different thing with your body. Mm-hmm. And suddenly things that teachers who were visiting Madison nine or eight years ago were saying to me came flooding back as, oh, I'll, now I get what she was saying. I bet she used to do gyrotonics too, you know. And so sometimes <laughs> it's actually recognizing the outside influences in tango. And um, once you get exposed to those outside influences, bringing them back into the dance, suddenly you're speaking mm-hmm. the same language mm-hmm. and, and you kind of go to a different level of understanding. Nice. All right. Well, that's a lot of really uh, awesome information that we uh, that we got from you. And I think that's going to be really useful to a lot of our, our listeners. So uh, are you off to a Malanga tonight by any chance? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> we, have, we have a very special Milonga in D.C., that literally is called the Blue Moon Milonga because okay. it happens on the fifth Saturday of the month. So it's only once every blue moon. Once every blue moon, <laughs> yeah. hence the name. Great. Good. Yeah. Good. So we'll be there tonight. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Liz and Enrique, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to me. I know you're both super busy, but it's awesome that you made time to uh, be on the podcast and just share your thoughts on this uh very interesting topic. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much. 
All right, that was Liz Sanger and Enrique Bravo Escobar. Great to catch up with both of them, and there was lots of good information today. Okay, so go out there and have a great time at your next Tango Festival. Thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again next time. <laughs>